The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that all off-season, you can send your questions to me whenever you want, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, on our voicemail and text line, 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumlings. Q and A with the word and spelled out in the middle. Send us emails, Buffalo Rumblings at SBNation.com. Facebook and Instagram messages to the official Buffalo Rumblings account will make their way to me eventually as well. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show. And as we enter this long off season, it's always best if we hear from you. So please send in those questions. I'm down, guys. I'm sad. Uh, The Buffalo Bills lost in the divisional round to the Kansas City Chiefs in in pretty heartbreaking fashion. In fact, on Monday morning over at buffalorumlinks.com, I wrote that this is the most heartbreaking loss. Um, There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, The fact that Josh Allen played, I mean, so, so well. with the Gabe Davis touchdowns and really everything. I mean, a 17-play drive for the go-ahead score. All of overcoming all of it. Um, The multiple coaching decisions, the multiple defensive missed tackles, just so many ways that they could have won. Um, It just makes it so much worse than, you know, one mistake against the Tennessee Titans in 2000. Uh, Worse than, you know, one missed kick even back in 1990, I just, it was so heartbreaking for me. So make sure you go check out that article. Um, the comments are absolutely blowing up on all of our opinion pieces this weekend, including that one. So uh, go let your voice be heard in the comments section. The takeaways from the game, I think are near a thousand comments as well. And, and people are, you know, obviously pretty upset by the ending of the game, the fact that the Bills couldn't pull out the victory against the Kansas City Chiefs. My my takeaways headline has more to do with how the Bills lost than how they won, and I just want to make sure that everybody knows that 
I mean, what we saw from Josh Allen was, it, it was just remarkable. It was, you know, uh, transcendent. It, he, he was the best player on the field on Sunday. Um, he might be the best player on any NFL field right now. He probably is, um, if, if we're really being honest about it. So I just, it, it's really sad that this season ended the way it did. Uh, but he wasn't the lead on my takeaways because I don't think the eventual outcome of the game was because of him. So I didn't want to say, like, you know, Josh Allen is super, but the Bills lose. It really came down to my headline, 45 yards in 13 seconds. And really it was 45 yards in 10 seconds because the field goal took the last three seconds off the clock. 45 yards. in 13 seconds, in 10 seconds. The number one defense in the NFL could not contain Patrick Mahomes. All game. Mahomes is good, but allowing him to get those 44 yards in 13 seconds is just, it's unbelievable. First you have the squib kick that wasn't, or the short kick that wasn't, or whatever. You know, the decision to kick it deep and give them an automatic touchback was, you know, you have a game management coach for things like this. They have a guy in the booth telling Sean McDermott what to do in those game management situations. Kicking it to the 15 or the 20 and short and allowing either a return. Even if he has to catch it and take a knee, you're taking two seconds off the clock. Maybe that's the difference. But making them return it means that they only have one play, probably, before they have to kick the field goal. Or one play before a Hail Mary. So, it just... It was the wrong decision. You have a game management coach. You have a head coach. You have a special teams coach. I'm not going to put the blame on Tyler Bass for this in his second NFL season. But you have all those other guys who should have said, time for the squib kick, time for the short kick, whichever. And they didn't. And then the defense rushes four. Tony Romo said it in the moment really well. If you have two guys clogging the passing lane and two guys going after Mahomes, that's a different ending. If you have two safeties come in or two other guys come in just to jam at the line, heck, they can even grab Tyreek Hill. I don't care. Tackle him. If they're doing that right off the bat, instead of putting guys 10 yards down the field, like it, they have no options. They need to push the ball up the field. And because they have to push the ball up the field, if you disrupt them at the line of scrimmage, that's going to take one or two seconds. And if you do that twice, now they don't have the time to kick the field goal. Put a guy right over Travis Kelsey when he comes inside on that last pass play. Just chip him, hip check him. Get one hand on him to slow his release. Any of those things change the outcome of the game. Jerry Hughes almost got home on that last pass play. A hip check to Travis Kelsey disrupting his route maybe means that Mahomes has to alter where his feet are before he throws. And again, that takes time off the clock. It was just really bad coaching at the end. 
and I'm sure I'll get over it, but they let down Josh Allen. All right, the Gabriel Davis game. Gabriel Davis had eight catches for 201 yards and four touchdowns. We're going to remember this performance not just by Josh Allen, but by Gabriel Davis for a long time. He faked a Chiefs defender onto his butt on that third touchdown. On Just onto the floor. There was nobody near Gabe Davis, and you're like, what happened? Well, Gabe Davis made a move to the sideline and then cut inside on this just absolutely sick double move. He put the Chiefs defender on the ground. Emmanuel Sanders, one catch, invisible. It was a big catch, but it was still just one. And you could just see over the course of the last half of the season that Gabe Davis was cementing himself as their second wide receiver next year. I don't anticipate the Bills signing somebody to take Gabe Davis's spot. They might sign, you know, another depth wide receiver to take over where Gabe Davis is now to be the, you know, the third outside wide receiver off the edge as opposed to say Cole Beasley being the third wide receiver on the inside. So, I just it, it was Gabe Davis coming out party after he just had a stellar back end to 2021. I thought he was going to be the number two wide receiver in 2021 before they signed Emmanuel Sanders, and I just don't see a way around it now. The game did live up to the hype, and I got to say that, you know, when you listen to national media right now, they're talking about it as the best game they've ever seen, uh, the best game. Uh, 31 NFL fan bases were thrilled with, with how that game played out. It was just absolutely so much fun for them to watch and you know everybody's been waiting for this shootout between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and the Bills and the Chiefs and they got it um, we just ended up on the wrong side of it all those points scored with you know less than two minutes left uh, Allen and Davis converting on fourth downs it just was it was a really fun game to watch uh, I lost my voice I know screaming so much at the TV on Sunday it was really fun to watch until it wasn't. So third downs were killer all night. Um, the Bills really had a chance to put a lot more points on the board, but they were only 6 of 14 on third down. They were able to overcome that with some timely fourth down conversions, but it shouldn't have got that far. Um, you know, the Chiefs were 5 of 6 in the first half, 8 of 13 on third downs overall. Uh, you know, I... It was tough when just every single time the Chiefs got the ball, you thought they were going to score. Um, Dawson Knox, we already mentioned that Emmanuel Sanders only had one catch. Uh, but Dawson Knox dropped a pass early. Uh, he caught one crossing route for two yards on four targets. Um, he had three receptions for 117 yards and a touchdown in their regular season matchup this year. So you got to wonder what went on there. You know, Allen was saying that they were bracketing uh, Stephon Diggs. They were double-teaming Stephon Diggs. Well, if they're double-teaming Stephon Diggs, obviously Gabe Davis was able to find room. Well, what the heck was going on with Dawson Knox? Why wasn't he able to do more? And my last takeaway from the game was, you know, Buffalo's best shot wasn't enough again. Um, the Bills were completely healthy outside of Tredavious White. Josh Allen on his rookie deal. Offense and defensive coordinators with plenty of continuity all over the organization. They have players in the elite years of their career. 
this was their moment. This was the best shot they're going to have. Now, that's not to say, let me walk that back a little bit. It might not be their best shot to win at all, but it was their best group. It was their best organization. It was their best roster that they're ever going to be able to put out there. Now, every other team goes through cycles like that as well. So it might not be their best shot. But having the coordinators in place for so long, having the entire coaching staff in place for so long, having guys at the right age, at the peak of their careers, guys like Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, um, even Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, those guys are all on the you know, wrong side of 30, and they're going to start diminishing at some point in time. You have to think that there's going to be some regression, whether you're talking about you know, losing Brian Dable or you know, having a first-time play caller in Ken Dorsey next year or whatever with you know the, the defensive ends that are all on free agent contracts. So you're looking at the future and you just you think that they lost, they missed a chance. They missed a really, really good chance this year. It just makes you sad. That's not to say they're not going to be able to do it in the future or they won't have other good chances. They sure will. As long as Josh Allen's their quarterback, they're going to have chances to win the Super Bowl every single year. And that might be the ultimate takeaway. Josh Allen's good enough to win the Super Bowl every single year. He's good enough to win every single game he plays in. But wins aren't a QB stat. And we've been saying it over and over again for the last couple days. When we get back from this quick break, if you've got questions, we'll try to answer them. Don't go anywhere. Okay, to Twitter for some questions. Eric asks, imagine if we drafted a cornerback with our number one draft pick instead of Groot. Well, I, of course, thought the Bills were going to take a cornerback at some point in the 2021 NFL draft. I thought it was going to be in the second round. Um, I, I really thought defensive end pass rush was their number one priority going in. It's what Sean McDermott always talks about. They've invested a lot of money in it. They had aging defensive ends. They already have Tredavious White. And so the MO for Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean has been to have the elite all-pro cornerback and then just fill the other side with whoever they can get their hands on. So Levi Wallace, Josh Norman. Heck, you can even go back to, um, oh, what the heck's his name? Uh, Vontae Davis. You know, find a guy that you can plug in that could be okay because you have elite safeties and you have an elite cornerback that fourth starting member of the secondary doesn't have to be elite five if you want to include Taron Johnson being you know more than good enough at, in that slot cornerback role so I thought the Bills might add a second cornerback just because they were trying to stop the Kansas City Chiefs because they were trying to get more athletic at that position than Levi Wallace get more athletic than Dane Jackson get more athletic than you know fill in the blank at that cornerback two spot instead they doubled down on defensive end and pass rusher and I don't know. Those guys really didn't get a whole lot of play. I mean, F.A. Obata's you know, active over those guys most of the season. And, you know, Greg Rousseau has shown flashes against the run in particular, but wasn't necessarily great as a pass rusher. Um, 
I don't want to look back and say, you know, look at the results-based thing. Like, Boogie Basham wasn't going to be as good as one of those cornerbacks. But <clears throat> when you look at how the draft fell in 2021, most people are looking at Creed Humphrey, who was taken two slots after the Bills uh, took Boogie Basham, uh, the Chiefs' center, as a guy that could have come in and solidified the offensive line. Um, but if you're looking at cornerback, you know, the next one was taken at pick 71. So the Bills picked 61, and 10 picks later, the Giants picked Aaron Robinson. A few picks later, Washington picked uh, Benjamin uh, St. Justy, and um, Adebo Paulson went to the New Orleans Saints at 76. So there were three cornerbacks taken between then and the end of the third round. It wasn't until the compensatory picks at the end of third round, pick 99, that the next cornerback was taken. So let's look at those three cornerbacks and how they performed, obviously in a different system with different coaching and all that stuff. But let's look at those three cornerbacks that were taken between when Carlos Boogie Basham was picked and the end of the third round. Aaron Robinson, 26 tackles, three pass deflections. Nine games, two starts. Not exactly life-changing. Paulson Adebo. 66 tackles, eight pass deflections, three interceptions. He played in all 17 games. He started all 17 games for the New Orleans Saints. Had pretty good numbers uh, across the board. You know, nothing earth-shattering, but you know, eight pass, defection, eight pass deflections and three interceptions, 66 combined tackles. Not a bad rookie season for Paulson Adebo. And then uh, Benjamin St. Justy from the Washington football team, 26 tackles, three pass deflections, played in nine games with three starts. Uh, probably his best game was against the Bills, uh, seven tackles. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, you know, we're not talking about guys that necessarily would have changed the you know, complete outlook of the Bills. If you're looking at Paulson Adebo, like maybe he's the guy that the Bills would have gone with. Uh, 6'1", 200 pounds. He's a little bit bigger than the Buffalo Bills like at their cornerback position. He compares to like a Saran Neal type body size as opposed to Tredavious White or Dane Jackson, who are, you know, quicker, lankier, a uh, little bit skinnier. So I don't know if he would have actually even been in the conversation for for that pick, but, like, I I just don't necessarily think that any of those cornerbacks would have made a difference in this game. And so we'll see what the Bills do going forward now that they lived half a year without Tredavious White. And Dane Jackson, Levi Wallace played pretty well as long as they have, you know, two all-pro safeties behind them. And so if they were making bad decisions or if they were limited athletically, a lot of stuff can get covered up by those erasers behind them. So, I mean, if there's anything Sean McDermott knows, it's defensive backs. And so I'll trust him on this. So we'll see how that plays out going into the 2022 NFL draft. But I think cornerback is probably on their list of things to uh, take in the NFL draft this season, especially with Levi Wallace being a free agent. Thanks for your question on Twitter, Eric. Ryan Mazurkowitz says, what is the one piece that the Bills most needed an upgrade at to win this game? And how does that inform the offseason? 
Well, I personally think that it was the coaching decisions at the end of the game, whether it's on defense or special teams. And I don't think that it necessarily is going to inform the offseason too much. I think you're going to get more conversations about situational football and how the Bills approach uh, games in the future. Uh, but you've you've seen that growth mindset from Sean McDermott over the years. You've seen him be able to take what was a deficit and turn it into a strength. And you know, growth mindset versus fixed mindset you know, can get kind of buzzwordy, but Sean McDermott lives that crap, right? He has shown an ability to learn. And as a leader, that's really all you can ask for. You know, if a guy's presented with new information, he changes his approach. So, you know, even when he was talking about running the football to to win the game, I guess it was against the Atlanta Falcons. He, you know, he eventually walked those comments back because he realized that it's not really the run that is you know, holding defenses. It's the threat of the run. And so uh, no one's complaining that the Bills didn't run the ball more against the Kansas City Chiefs when they scored 36 points. So I, he's shown an ability to move past what he probably previously believed about running the football and playing great defense being how you win games. You know, he's he's shown an ability to grow it on fourth down calls for sure. I mean, I called it a fireball offense when he punted in overtime against the Indianapolis Colts in the snow, snow overtime game a few Novembers ago. It was a fireball offense. You needed a win to make the playoffs. He punted, which greatly increased the chances of a tie and then being eliminated from the playoffs. Luckily, the Colts gave it back to them and the Bills were able to go down and score. But in the future, he has shown an ability to make a different decision in that same situation. He's shown that he'll go for it on fourth down. He's shown that he's willing to make changes to his thought process. And so now going forward, hopefully, between him and the game management coach, they'll have at the end of the game stuff figured out or they'll work on it until they get it figured out. And so just putting new information in that big old brain of his will will help. I don't necessarily think it's going to, you know, help the offseason. I'm I'm still hoping they're going to add another athletic cornerback, as we just talked about. But, you know, when I do a mock draft and I'm looking at people the Bills might pick, I have to balance that off with they have shown that they don't value that position. And so if I'm trying to predict what they're going to do, it isn't adding an athletic second cornerback, but that's what I would want to do if I was the Bills. So um, I think I answered your question. It was a little bit rambly. I'm sorry, Ryan. A little bit off kilter with the way that the Bills lost. Mr. Oktoberfest, after spending so much draft capital on the defensive line to stop Mahomes, where do they go from here? That didn't seem to work. You're right. It didn't seem to work. I was watching the game with my father-in-law and some of the family members, and he kept saying they're not even getting close to him. I don't necessarily think they were trying to get close to him. They were trying to contain him. But the problem was they weren't even able to do that. So what you're hoping for is natural growth from Epinesa, Greg Rousseau, and Boogie Basham into those roles that are going to be vacated by Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. Um, I'm always for adding pass rush. You saw great things from Harrison Phillips and Ed Oliver. Phillips, they need to resign because he's a free agent. Um, I would love to see Jerry Hughes come back as a pass rusher. Like I said, he almost got to Mahomes on that last throw of the game. But they're going to have to hope 
for growth from those young defensive ends or keep taking shots at it. You know, keep using premium draft picks on defensive ends or sign. I, I don't think they're going to sign, you know, a high end pass rusher. I just don't think that's, you know, where they're going to have the cap space. So they're going to have to draft and develop one. And so, you know, you might see them spend another second or third round pick on a defensive lineman. Um, whether it's a one tech defensive tackle to rotate in with Harrison Phillips uh, and get rid of Star Latulule, whether it's just another pass rusher to replace Mario Addison and uh, Jerry Hughes, they need to take, keep taking uh, bites at that apple because obviously it didn't do enough. They weren't able to contain Patrick Mahomes, especially on the early drives against the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, what the defensive line let them down. I, they've done pretty much everything that they can do. They need to keep doing those things until they hit. You know, you've invested multiple high draft picks on the defensive line, and some of them have performed better than others. you got to keep doing it until you get the right mix. Thanks for your question over at Rumblings Q&A. Last question, and we've got plenty of questions, obviously, but um, the last question from Anthony Morton. I want to know how a team takes two defensive timeouts and still lines up in the worst possible way to defend trips twice in a row at the end of the game. And so the reason I wanted to answer this today was like it's still fresh in people's minds. They took the defensive timeouts because Sean McDermott likes doing that in order to make the offense tip their hand, right? You know, they have to get out of their number one play because, you know, they go and line up and so now you can see what they're going to do and you think that the offense is going to change. It wasn't so that they could necessarily change how they were going to play defense, and they certainly didn't change how they were going to play defense. Um, it also keeps your defenders fresh. Um, they had been on the field a lot, chasing a lot of guys over the course of that night, and they had played 100% of the snaps. So those, there were two reasons to take those timeouts. I certainly didn't have a problem with them. I thought, you know, you can't take them with you. Um, I obviously would have done lined up a little bit different on defense, as I've already said. So I appreciate your question, Anthony. Um, but, you know, it's it's not like they were going to change up their scheme based on that. They were still going to run that really soft zone with four pass rushers, which, again, I wouldn't agree with. So thanks for your question. Like I said, we have some questions you know in the chamber for next week. So make sure you keep sending those in, though, because... We won't have takeaways next week. And so the first half of the show, the whole show, is going to be your questions. So we'll need more of them. You can do that by calling us at 716-508-0405. You can text us. Same number. You can tweet us at rumblings Q and a Send us emails, rumblings at sbnation.com. Please, please, please send in your questions. Our show is going to be incredibly boring going forward unless we hear from you. Thanks for listening and go Bills.